Bundyanna here, aka Annabelle, aka Mary Daniac. Can you believe it's been 200 years? I mean, episodes. No way was it that long ago. My favourite show of all time celebrates its 200th episode, and I can't think of a better way to celebrate than by keeping the Married Good Children spirit alive. And we do that through this podcast through you, the listeners, and all the fans over the world. It warms my heart to see a show that ended over 20 years ago still going strong in the fandom. Nine seasons, 200 episodes, and we've still got 59 to go. Thank you to all the Married with Children fans out there for keeping the spirit of the show alive. Thank you all for your feedback and your loyalty, and for listening to our humble little podcast. Now, where are my bon bons? Steve! Marcy! Steve! Marcy! Let's rock! Thanks, Dad! Can I get a woman? No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast! Welcome back, Mary with Children fans. Tyler, I got soap in my eye. And I'm here with Tyler. How hey, you doing, I'm... Tyler? Oh, I'm doing great. And just being up front, I don't take no guff from shoes. Mm. And, we ha- and we have a special person with us today. I'm back because I love money. My name's Jerry, and I'm here because uh, there's a special guest star today. Yes, and by the way, um, we're doubling your pay from when you were with Alex, okay? <laughs> I'm getting paid two cents. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we are here. We are here to review Get the Dodge Out of Hell. It aired February 5th, 1995. Written by Larry Jacobson, directed by Jerry Cohen. The title is from the Cowboys saying, it's a how they changed the saying. Usually they would say, get the hell out of Dodge referring to Dodge City up in Kansas. This time, we're trying to say get the Dodge out of hell, which is a car wash. This has some a few guest stars, including Michael Faustino and the return of... David Garrison. As Steve. <laughs> the return of Steve. Get ready for Mary's historic 200th episode. Dodge does not need a racing strike. It couldn't hit 60 if you dropped it from a plane. Oh, but you could, Ben. Coming up next. You know, recently we did our uh, Season 8 wrap-up show, and Annabelle said that uh, one reason why I always say that Season 8 is the weakest is because there's no Steve. He doesn't return this se- that season. Yeah, we haven't seen him since, what, when he was a pirate? I think so. Yeah, the pirate one. This was also another milestone because Marywood Children celebrated 200 episodes on his return. And I think that was the goal. All right. And for modern day audiences, uh, that doesn't seem like a lot, I guess, with uh, shows getting into, you know, 12 and 15 seasons almost all the time now. But 200 episodes for a a small network television show, that was a big deal. Yeah, I think uh, The Simpsons just recently got to like six or seven hundred episodes. 
It's amazing how long that one's gone. They began recording of season 33, episode one, uh, last night, uh, according to Al Jean on Twitter. Oh, boy. I haven't watched it in years. I might want to take it up because I know that's one of Alex's favorites. And I stopped watching about season 11. The last season was really, really strong. I think they got a bunch of new writers that are like like the youngest of the millennials who grew up with like grew up when season 15 was starting and actually really like it and are bringing a lot of uh high class humor to- towards the Simpsons. So I I would suggest it. There was a lot of strong episodes. Yes. Anyway, with this Married with Children uh, fiesta, we start out with the kids sitting in the couch, and they're trying to figure out how to get out of going to Wanker County. Okay, Kel, let's go over the plan just one more time, all right? Now, you can't go to Wanker County with Mom and Dad because... I have to do a commercial for traffic safety. That's right. And I can't go to Wanker County with Mom and Dad because... A rubber sheep is demanding you take a blood test? (laughs) Fine, no, fine, fine. We'll go to Wanker County. But don't come running to me when they ask you why you're still single when you have a perfectly good brother. (laughs) Come on, bud, I was just kidding. I can do this. I mean, Daddy might have been able to look me in the eye and break me when the police brought me home at 2 in the morning, but I am not 11 anymore. There's the Dodge early warning system. Let's go. Now, remember the plan. Gotcha. What plan? And they have this elaborate plot where Kelly has to uh, do a public service message. And Buzz, since he works for the Department of Safety or the Department of Motor Vehicles, he has to be the producer. They have an ironclad, so that's their ironclad alibi. Consultant, though, right? Or wait, what? yeah, <laughs> a consultant, whatever. But the thing is, um, I love it when she says, uh, "You know, I, I can hold my own against Daddy. He could have intimidated me when I was eleven and brought home by the police, but I am an adult now." <laughs> and uh, then Alan Peg walk in, and I want to get this gripe out of the way. Just because studio audiences, especially married with children, could be really loud and obnoxious fans. I mean, that introductory applause and roaring was just way, way, way over the top. Uh, uh, do you know, are they are audiences asked to do that when people come in or what? Uh, so, y- yes, kind of. Uh, there are like little light up boxes that will say like applause or uh kind of give a basic rundown of what they want. Uh they don't always use that though. Um later on in the episode when our special guest shows up, the audience did not know he was there. Oh cool. I did not know that. Every uh, yeah, every show has a different way of doing that. Um the one that I'm privy to is the Big Bang Theory. Um I got to talk to some people who got to see a live recording of that where they were the audience and they're like yeah, it was a four-hour-long thing where we didn't know what the episode was. Some of the stuff was being recorded, and some of it was fake. They would break the mode and talk to us and joke around and get us into a like kind of a hysteria. So when you hear people going crazy 
a lot of it is you forget you're an audience member and you're just going nuts. So they probably lulled them into doing that. But you're right. It does sound like a Steelers, uh, a bunch of Steelers fans after a big win going crazy. Interesting you should say that. That's the team that uh, um, Ed O'Neill almost played for, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Makes perfect sense. He looks like a Steelers fan. Yeah, he looks like a a Steelers or a Raiders fan. As a Steve fan, I don't get these football jokes. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, that is not a football <laughs> joke. That was a Steelers joke, Jerry. That's way more niche. Like, if, if you go into a, a bar that says Steelers, yay, and walk in there, you will see some type of of a crowd that's very specific. <laughs> oh, well. Well, better get off the football there since uh, Jerry doesn't know anything about it. Besides, this isn't about football. This is about the Bundys going to Winker County and the Dodge. Though, actually, before we get off the football subject, I did read, and I thought this was interesting, that uh, this was the first episode this season that was not uh, around something involving television. Every episode had had some kind of involvement around television, whether it was um them doing the Bud Bowl or Dud Bowl, I'm sorry, or doing uh, Kelly filming stuff because that was a big thing uh, going on right now. But almost every other episode this season had something to do with television except for this one. You know, you're right. And it was very sports heavy, too. Yes, there are a lot of sports heavy uh, things going on this season, but not for... Uh, Steve's return. They knew, uh, Steve doesn't, Steve doesn't watch TV. Okay. Steve doesn't watch football. Steve watches plays and birds. He's culturally Mm -hmm. aesthetically pleasing stuff like that. And Jerry, I'm so happy you brought that up. I, I wanted to bring something like that up later on when it, when we got to the car wash. But one of the things I have noticed this whole half of season eight and most of season nine is that Mary with Children shows are their plots are kind of mirroring the where Fox was at that time. I think Stephen, you and me touched on it in the Dud Bowl episode where um, Fox was moving into uh, ESPN and broadcasting sports and kind of using yeah. shows to prop each other up. So maybe these plots were, uh, you know, just inspired by whatever was going crazy through Fox at the time. It was probably the deal because that was the year Fox started airing NFC uh, football games. I think I mentioned that in the last one. And I think it was a, I think the next year they did get Major League Baseball away from CBS. So I think that's why this season is also so sports heavy as well as uh, television heavy because Fox is looking at Married with Children not only as, you know, they're, because it was their first big hit, of course. And I think they were using that to uh, help advertise the stuff that was coming along. Like in the recent Dud Bowl, they had the announcer saying, stay tuned for the game of the week on Fox. You'll see the Cowboys playing the Steelers here on Fox. Don't forget, it starts at noon on Fox. It's like... <laughs> say Fox it, as many fucking times as you can so people know who we are. <laughs> Yes, uh, so that's the reason Fox is using Married with Children, and now Married with Children is their golden boy, which is really kind of sad if you think how the series ended, because I've 
most of the actors, they didn't find out from the network. They found out from other people. Ed O'Neill says he was vacationing, I think, somewhere in Hawaii, maybe. But uh, someone said to him, I'm sorry to hear that your show was canceled. And he hadn't heard yet. I'm thinking that's a pretty crappy way to treat your um, premiere show. The one that really got you on the map, that and The Simpsons. So hope that doesn't happen with The Simpsons voice actors. Yeah, we'll see. Speaking mm-hmm. of which, I'm here to tell y'all y'all's show is canceled. What? This whole podcast what? is canceled. Oh, wow. In case y'all didn't get the memo. I thought it was canceled a long time ago. <laughs> We've just been doing this for fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. No one's listening, but... Uh, but doesn't make any difference to me if no one's listening. I'll still listen to it because I'll be producing it anyway. It's like it's like life. Nobody's listening to us there. No one's listening to us here. Whatever. Peggy's yeah. not getting sex. Y'all aren't getting listeners. The world keeps turning for Al Bundy. <laughs> and Steve, right? Steve's world always turns. Al, why are you in such a bad mood? Some men like going shopping with their wives. Sure, for coffins. <laughs> I hate buying stuff for the wanker folk, Peg. Well, we like stuff from the big city. We just have things they can't get. Let's make sure we got it all. Uh, wax. <laughs> String. <laughs> things that go click. Oh. <laughs> and to think, they bestowed their highest honor on you. Well, that's understandable. I'm the only person they ever saw who doesn't have a shell. Scoff all you want, but I think being named the Grand Marshal of the Wanker County Bicentennial Parade is a big deal. Yeah, Dad. Come on, they're celebrating 200 years. Since what? They crawled from the oceans? (laughs) No way was it that long ago. 200 years ago, it was bought from the Indians. Ah, not the legend of Wanker County again. Wanker County was originally called Obiluba Passawatomi, which means land of the big gassy possum. (laughs) Which explains why Disney has no interest in putting a theme park there. And and I I get a kick out of Peggy wanting to tell the, the story of Wanker County. At the same time, Alice, like, 200 years since what? Since they crawled out of the ocean or something like that? Oh, no, it's it's one of those great, like, would you call it, Jerry, like a three-point, like, joke, where, uh, but done such in quick succession, like, uh, 200 years of what? When they crawled out of the ocean? It couldn't have been that long ago. <laughs> like, I'm laughing at what he says, and then he says the next thing, and it makes me laugh even more. And if it was done incorrectly, it could have just killed the whole joke. Yeah, they're very good at stacking jokes in rapid succession where you get the main joke and then they're like, okay, we're going to top that. While we're at it, let's top it again. And they usually do do mm-hmm. it in threes uh, and it just works very well. Like this show is just very well written when it comes to dialogue. Um, and it is interesting that Al's like, there's no way that they evolved that quickly even though he spends most of the time talking about how not evolved they are. Exactly. We're making fun of the, uh, of Wanker County's short history. Then we imply what that history is. They're crawling out of the muck, which is also great. But then to top that even harsher with it had, it couldn't have been that long ago, how low their evolution is even in that 
exaggerated sense. It really is strong writing. Yeah, and it is great to have, like, still, even in Season 9, we're getting background information on Wanker County. We now know that 200 years ago they bought the land from the Native Americans, and it stood for, what was it stood for? Gassy Possum? Land of the Gassy Possum? Right, land of the gassy possum. Oh wait, and what is what did Al win? By the way, what was the name of the thing that he won? Yeah, he was going to be the uh, what do you call it when they lead a parade? The um, I, I was starting to say grandmaster, but I thought no, that's buds. It was going to be a parade, and he was supposed to lead the parade. And there's a name for the person who leads the parade. It made uh, me laugh so much with just the look of absolute. Because it's the name of what he is is not actually a joke. It actually sounds quite honorific in a way that Winker County could be. Like, there isn't going to be a joke to it. But Al looks so disgusted at the even idea of being associated with that place. And things like this also make me want to go, like, I wonder what this episode would have been like had they actually gone to Winker County and, like, went to the parade. What it would have looked like. And... Maybe we find out how Al got this honor because for the life of me, I can't figure out how. Because Peggy's family is a big deal in Wanker County. And for the most part, they don't seem to like Al that much. So is this a trick? Are they going to like carry him? Like pour a bucket of pig blood on him when he gets Uh, up on stage? Jerry, it's anything your beautiful mind can come up with. Like, have you seen Frasier? No, I uh, I'm I'm not allowed to watch Frasier because I uh, I don't love myself enough and I'm not high <laughs> society enough to watch Frasier. I tried it once. Uh, cops came in. I had to sit in jail for a weekend, and they're like, "You watch Married with Children. You're not allowed to watch Frasier." Okay, what about Cheers? Did you watch that? No, I'm not fifty. Uh, oh my god okay well on both those shows there are there, on cheers there's a, fr- a character called uh vivian vera vera not vivian and then on fraser there's a character called maris both are just names you never see them you never hear them they're only made reference but i could write you a at least a 15 to 20 page paper on their both their characters because they're so elaborately talked and talked about and they're doing this much like Peggy's mom they're doing this with an entire county and like uh area of people and the answer is if they ever went there it would ruin it every you're right it's the comedy version of the horror trope it's scarier what you don't see in this case it's funnier what you don't see it, yeah, because you can't make... Yeah, she, pa- Peggy's mom. There is no person alive they could get to, like... They, like it, It's impossible. You would have to force Roseanne and Rosie O'Donnell to, like, smash in with each other and then eat Ricky Lakes. Maybe you could get there. But no, it's just it's beautiful. I just keep thinking of that pitchfork falling down. Oh, there's your fork, hun. Oh, it's, it needs to stay in your mind. <laughs> by the way, I did find it. He was elected the Grand Marshal of the Wanker County Bicentennial Parade. That's <laughs> what the... <laughs> if you leave the parade... It's so funny. <laughs> you leave the parade and you're the Grand Marshal. And then um, 
Oh, boy. <laughs> the Grand me... Marshal of the Bicentennial Wanker <laughs> County Parade. <laughs> oh, boy. I think the bigger joke is Al is not very involved in himself, yet he trashes on Wanker County. Because they are in... Because they are so inbred and low class that Al is their king. Yeah. Basically, Wanker County makes Al look like Frazier. You're such a success. You're a yeah. shoe salesman. Like, you sell both the left and the right? <gasps> wow. <laughs> and who was uh, uh It was cousins, their cousins, like in the end of the second season when they came to visit. One was played by King Kong Bundy. You know, they were like Peg's cousins or something. And they were excited that he was a professional shoe salesman. Oh, yeah. And uh, who else? Didn't the, um, oh, sh- the, uh, the parents of he who must not be named seven. They, they're Wanker, right? Yeah, they're from Wanker County. They had one, two, three, four, five, seven kids. So it. Oh. Wait a minute. Who is the seven person you're mentioning? Mm. Oh, I you know I what's... didn't mention I didn't mention uh, anything. I just said he must not sh- shall not be named. You know what's be what's great about uh, them doing this whole wanker joke is when they're doing the we had to go shop for them and they pull out like string and they're like because <laughs> Wanker County doesn't have things like strings or seventh children. Yes, they there are no seven sons in uh, <laughs> in Wanker County. <laughs> Well, that's because they don't have the sixes because they have one, two, three, four, five, seven kids, you know, <laughs> forget this. But the, uh, you know, the other, the thing that they bought, I thought was funny was the uh, clapper thing or the little thing that made. Oh, the clicker. Yeah, the clicker. And Peggy is just like excited. <laughs> she uses that showing she's just as, you know, it's just like them. rat boy. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I made a comment on Facebook recently that uh, Mary with Children was trending up on Internet Movie Database. And I was just going to take a quick look and see if it's trending up again uh, on Mary with Children. And, and my comment was that I would kind of hope sometimes that uh, the podcast uh, boosts its uh, interest. But unfortunately, now the popularity is going down. Uh-oh. I think it pops up uh, at least once a year as everyone jumps on the bandwagon of this is the reunion show we need to have because uh, that happened once a year. There's a big we need a married with children reunion uh, thing that happens. And especially with Ed O'Neill now no longer being on Modern Family, uh, pe- people are definitely like more actively pushing for it. I just I don't think Fox cares. I don't think Ed O'Neill cares i don't think most people involved with the show except for uh david i think he's the only one that cares well i think they've all resigned that it's not going to happen aside from the fact that katie seagal has a new series out uh there was one of the one one person behind the scenes who didn't want to do it so that was the thing that killed oh it's amanda beers probably she straight up like when we interviewed her she was wasn't mean about it. But she was she was pretty open that her and Ed do not get along. And that would be frustrating to work with someone that you don't get along with. But uh, of course, 
you know, it's not that they hate each other. They just don't get along. That's what I like to point out because there are some people that, uh, I don't get along with, I don't hate them. I just don't like to be around. I don't get along with anyone from Winker County. Yeah, neither do I. (laughs) And that's the problem that they have. They don't want to go to Winker County because they don't get along with people over there. I, for one, am very excited to be going. Ahem. I said, I, for one, am very excited to be going to Winker County with my sister. Come in. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. I've got something I have to tell you. I'm afraid that Bud and I won't be able to go to Wanker County. You see, I just got a commercial for traffic safety. And Bud, since he works for the Department of Vehicle Services, is going to consult. The end. (laughs) Bye. Hold it! Pumpkin, I want you to look Daddy in the eye. Okay, it was a lie. It was all Bud's idea. That's right. go to Wanker County. And not only that, last Tuesday, Bud drank milk right from the cart. When he was 11, he smoked a cigarette. When I think of the pain and the suffering that I went through for you to be conceived. You should be ashamed of yourself for deceiving your family this way. Kelly's, uh, or Bud's plan just simply falls apart. In the first place, she's knocking on her own door. It starts out badly when Bud float, you know, says his line and Kelly doesn't come in on cue. So much for the Larry Storch school of acting. He says, I, for one, am looking forward to going to Wanker County. He says it again because Kelly doesn't walk in. And then Kelly knocks on the door. <laughs> and she finally comes in and says she can't, they can't go to Wanker County. They have the excuse. You know, she's going to be in a... A public service announcement and Bud has to be a consultant. And I love Al. He looks at her right in the eye and she caves just like she did when she was 11. And I do love when Married Children does these great setup jokes where, you know, they drop the hint a few minutes earlier. They do that joke and then then they do the joke again here in a little bit with Peggy. And most of the times when you, when you see that joke in a sitcom, you kind of go, oh, that it, it doesn't really work. You just use the joke three, basically three times. But it always works in Married with Children. I don't know how they always pull this uh, three-part joke off, but they do. It's the chemistry with the cast members. Uh, something that me and Steven noticed is the episodes that we don't like or have the most trouble with is when the family or the main cast members are not being utilized correctly, or if they're just popped in for no real reason. How you got Bud and Kelly doing their sibling spiel is so great. Uh, pairing them between Al and Peggy coming in together, it's it, it all works and fires on all the cylinders. Hey, 
Al, the home office just ordered us to have a 24-hour emergency shoe sale. <laughs> women have landed. You gotta come. Oh, dash it all. I, I was going to Wanker County. I'm, I'm sorry, Peg. Just a second. Griff, look me in the eye. There really is no shoe sale. It was all Bud's idea. <laughs> and he dialed some 976 numbers from the shoe store. <laughs> and he took a handful of cerebral palsy mints without paying. <laughs> and you know what he did when he was 11, right? Goodbye, Griff. <laughs> See you when you get back, Al. Oh, you can count on it, buddy. <laughs> ashamed of yourselves. You mean in general or because of this uh, wanker county hooey? We are all going and that's final. <laughs> it's not gonna work, Buck. It was all Bud's idea. Now, like I was saying, we're all gonna go and we're all gonna have fun. Right? Right, right Mom. Mom. No. <laughs> okay, now let's stop at the car wash. Car wash? What for? So the Dodge will look nice in the parade. How nice do we have to look? This year's theme is thumbs. Show them if you got them. Of course, Griff comes in and talks about an emergency shoe sale. <laughs> the fat oh, women. I want more of him. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's one thing I really like about season nine is the addition of Griff. I think he works a lot better than Aaron not knocking him i just think he works a lot better and he caves and and he says too it was all bud's idea uh, one of the moments i'm sorry one of the moments that's really adorable about kelly when she comes in and does her performance uh it, which she just doesn't she end it with and that's the end <laughs> and it's, yes. like, it's just i wanted like if if i ever wanted a Funko Pop doll of uh, Kelly. It would have been right there. Where she's just so proud of herself. I did it. Scenes over. <laughs> so I got a question. Yeah. Uh, when Griff throws Bud under the bus, so one or two things happened here. Either Bud didn't trust his sister and set up a second plan and got his dad in it, or Al was like, look, if it doesn't work, blame it on Bud. I mean, we could say Griff just did it to throw Bud on the bus for no reason, but I don't think Griff really has a reason to do that to Bud. So the question is, is did is this Bud set up a, a fallback secondary plan, or did Al say, hey, throw Bud under the bus if it doesn't work? I've got a theory, but Steven, let's hear yours. Well, I noticed something is that as soon as Kelly starts talking, Bud goes and opens up his suitcase and starts packing. <laughs> he knows it's not going to work. Mm, okay. And he's consigned to it. <laughs> <laughs> My theory is that some shortly before season eight started, Bud 
was peeping was being a peeping tom and looked where he shouldn't looked and spotted some evil witch changing and she cursed him because weird stuff seems to happen to bud like um he'll get a job and before and before the day's over his face is all over a bus uh people (laughs) immediately seem to know where uh, he's gonna be and if a girl dumps him it's front page news sometimes literally it's I I don't know, like I think they've really leaned in that, but just Bud is an absolute punching bag, and we don't need to give people reasons for how they know it. Well, he is Al's son. I mean, let's be honest, Al's a punching bag. So why why wouldn't his son be a punching bag? As to where, you know, Pe- Kelly is definitely Peggy's daughter in how they work her character. So it kind of makes sense that Bud would be such a punching bag. Because he's he's the younger mirror to Al, as to where Kelly's the younger mirror to Peggy. You're right, and they skip the obvious dog connection because is doesn't that work? Like the boss kicks the dad, the dad comes home and kicks the son, and then the son gets mad and kicks the dog. But in this family, everyone just kicks Bud. Even Buck kicks him. I, I love that part. Buck walks in with the with the little thing on his head and the mic and a oh, the ice thermometer. Pack and the thermometer. Yeah, <laughs> I, I still, even though I did think that that the sight gags with Buck are really funny, I still have a problem hearing Buck speak. I think it's used pretty well. It made me laugh later when he's just like, "Go, go." Maybe we should have said "fetch" instead of "go," and then immediately, I still would have gone. And then <laughs> it's what I imagine my dog or my cat are like thinking when I when when I'm looking at them. <laughs> also have to find out a few things because Grip mentions that Bud also called nine seven six numbers from the store. Oh, God. <laughs> God. And those were premium rate telephone numbers of that day. And if you wanted to charge a telephone user to call a number like a psychic hotline or for phone sex, you would dial something like one uh, three one two nine seven six. You know, and that whatever. If they were Chicago based, and starting in around nineteen eighty, they switched to something like one nine hundred almost exclusively. And Mary Joan has referenced these uh, before in uh, season two, episode four, season two, episode twenty, and season four, episode eight. Uh, the last one is nine seven six shoe, which is one of my all time favorites. And it started the demise of Steve. I always forget leaving the show. I always forget nine seven six shoe. That's the reference of nine seven six. I I it's I don't recall these. I I knew one nine hundred numbers existed, but I didn't know there was so many different variations of it. Becky decides to get the car wash. You know, Peg, I hate car washes. That Dodge is a finely tuned precision instrument. And I don't want some stranger's rough hands all over it. Sir, we need the keys. (laughs) Now, you keep your hands off my CD player. Al, we don't have a CD player. Well, we would have, Peg, if you hadn't said that. Would you just calm down? This is supposed to be fun. Let's buy a car air freshener. Do they have a scent called New Wife? <laughs> See, Peg, your trouble is you spend money on a frivolous... Ooh, a racing stripe. 
Dodge does not need a racing stripe. It couldn't hit 60 if you dropped it out of a plane. No, but you could, Pig! Ooh, Pig, look, car bras! But Dodge does not need a car bra. Well, it's not for the Dodge, Pig. No, it's for your mom. See, it's even in her size. Astro Man. And so they go to Trogget's Car Wash. And, you know, it's seen on the aprons that the workers wear. Tyler, do you remember who Trogget was? Oh, I very well do. So, yeah, Trog or so Trogget's Car Wash, or specifically Trogget's House Scrubbin, as in Walter Trogget, as in Walter Trogget in Season 8, Episode 20. And you know what, Stephen? I actually forgot about that. I had to look that back up. But um, you're right. Like it, I think Walter Trogett, which is such a very specific name, it has to have been just used constantly. It, it it's a it's a perfect name of a local Midwestern just car wash out in the middle of nowhere. Yes, and I just you know they're always referring back. Uh, of course, in this season here of in this season. We've kind of lost those old references to like Reverend Felcher or the Donnellys or, you know, other people in the neighborhood, like the McGinty's that were also in the neighborhood. We don't have that anymore. And I think it's because this season really got a boost shot in the arm with uh, new characters like Griff, Bob Rooney, and Miranda Veracruz, Cardinal. I, I forget her entire name. <laughs> but, uh, you know, all these characters are new characters introduced. So they, I think they were trying to move away from referring to those old characters like uh, Mm -hmm. maybe. That's true. And it's always better, unless you're introducing a new character or trying to build up a new one that's already on the show, always best to go to a new location. And what do we all think about uh, Trogget's House of Scrubbing? What do we think about the set, guys? Uh, You like it? I like anything that has a random Intellivision 2 in it. I don't know if y'all caught that. But there is an Intellivision 2 at their store. And I thought that was neat being a big fan of retro gaming. Um, You're going to have to explain because my brain does not re- register what you just said. Uh, an Intel- Intellivision 2. So back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, back when the Atari 2600 was the big thing, its competitors were Intellivision and ColecoVision. Um, Intellivision put out a secondary model that really it wasn't like an upgrade or anything it was really just a more compact design uh and called it the Intellivision 2 um and they have it they just it's just sitting in the store so there's a device much like the device the Atari which I do know called a Intellivision and then there's a Intellivision number 2 like PlayStation 2 correct and there was going wow. to be an Intellivision <laughs> three but they ended up canceling it uh well originally it was supposed to be the upgraded that was you know for like going from a ps1 to a ps2 but instead they they didn't do it and then they were like well we'll just do an intellivision four no one will notice we didn't put out a three (laughs) they skipped it and yeah and then they didn't put out the intellivision four but just the fact that there is an intellivision two specifically in this episode just cracked me up in in my own like niche way 
Holy crap. Uh, I don't think me and Steven, uh, Steven, we don't talk about it, but we're, we're not gamers, right? We don't play video games. I'm not games. a big gamer, but I think I know what he's talking about. I, I have to ask my brother, because we got an Atari like in 79 or 80. You know, those little Atari joysticks with the games, and my dad would play them with us uh, all the time. And I think we did, we got something after that. I think it might have been an Intellivision, but my brother might remember it. I have to check with him. I'll see him when we have Easter dinner together. But I do like to uh, take things like this, uh, and I used to do this on the show all the time, where I would be like, it means this, and I'd, I'd go through this long web. So the Intellivision 2 came out and was supposed to be a better version of the Intellivision 1. But unfortunately, the new and unimproved and not selling very well unemployed Intellivision 2 didn't do much. It is the Jefferson of video games at the time as to where the the Atari 2600, the Steve, will see. Yes. Oh, yeah, right. You know what? I'm... Guys, I'm reading the uh, Intel Television Wikipedia page right now. This is amazing, Jerry. I had no idea this thing existed or had this name. I love this. Uh, and this this article was totally written by a huge game history lover. The Intellivision, the name is a portmanteau of intelligent television. I just, it's so beautiful. And you're right, it was a base competitor for the Atari 2600. And it is the second generation. And I'm looking through it and I love it. There's Intellivision, Intellivision 2, Intellivision 4, the third generation. Yes. And while the Intellivision 2, to some people, looks better and is sleeker. It doesn't do anything. So why some people think Jefferson looks better and sleeker and all that, he doesn't do anything. <laughs> so basically what you're saying is uh, Jefferson is the Atari 2600 and Steve is the Intellivision. No, 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 no. Steve is the Atari 2600 because he was first on the scene uh, he he really was a big important thing to happen as to where uh, only very select people are going to uh, know what Intellivision 2 is and understand that it's not as good as an Atari 2600 and would go on a random rant on a podcast how this Intellivision 2 that is on the set for no apparent reason is actually this intricate thing that states how Steve is better than Jefferson, who works at the place with the Intellivision 2. Huh. So I guess that would make Al a game of Pong. Yeah, Al is a standalone Pong console. (laughs) Oh, just zoom into his brain. I played that. I played that back in the 70s. I'll never forget that. My dad got it. You know, he was a doctor, so he could get all this fun stuff like that. And we played Pong, and we thought it was the greatest thing in the world back in, like, 1975 or 6 when it came out. It was unbelievable. You know, also, Al tries to get, keep your hands off my CD player. Al, we don't have a CD player. Well, we would have if you hadn't said that. Yeah, also, let's talk about the all the random, like, I've never been to a car wash that was also a uh, almost convenient store. Like, the the amount of crap Be- Peggy has put into her cart 
And then the random stuff they point out, like the racing stripe, that makes sense. The 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 car bra, Astro van size. Uh-huh. Like I, if I was, just, I've never been to a car wash that has all that kind of stuff. Okay, well, you want to feel that one, Stephen? Because uh, not well, actually, <laughs> believe it or not, uh, there's a Love's Country store. They're based here in uh, Oklahoma City. They're around uh, the most of the country, but it's a combination of a convenience store and a car wash. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of them have car washes, but not all of them. Okay, I'd probably say maybe fifty percent of them do, and you can go in there and you can buy crap like this and watch your car being like washed in the background like when it, it's a very strange it's, it's not strange but it's a completely different type of uh service that you said you live in memphis uh jerry nashville that nashville right yeah well ne- regardless you live in a big city you're not going to see these things in big cities too much too often but they really are on the outskirts of big cities in the more rural areas uh, you'll see huge setups and that guy coming up hey we need your keys or <laughs> screwdriver um and they'll t- and they'll literally it's a full service thing they'll take it out and you can chill in there there's probably popcorn and drinks and stuff it's a whole outing i literally remember doing this with my uh, family let's go get the car washed i'm not kidding <laughs> You know, and thinking that this was Chicago back, you know, which is a huge market. I mean, we're not, we're talking super urban. And then you have the suburbs. Yeah. <clears throat> They're likely going to get something like this in the mid 90s. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. As opposed to, say, a mid sized town like Tulsa or Muskogee, which is a neighboring city here. But, you know, I have seen those. Uh, they are rare, but they are out there. Yeah, oh, yeah, you mentioned the screwdriver being, you know, the screwdriver the keys to your car. There was an earlier reference to that. I forgot in what episode, but uh, I think it was last season. And I knew a guy, you didn't even need a key to turn on his car. Oh, actually, you're right. You know what? I've been watching a ton of Sons of Anarchy for the first time, Jerry. And it took me out of it a teeny bit when I was watching the episode right before we started recording just to hear Peggy's voice and just the other night seeing Katie Seagal get smacked around by uh, by Clay it was just very startling but they're on Sons of Anarchy she tries to steal a car by literally uh, whipping out a knife and jamming it into the ignition turns it and nothing happens and just goes ah dang and has to rip open the the undercarriage and actually hotwire it. And it I used like, to work what? on the Dodge. It, right? Yeah, like, mm-hmm. apparently you can do that with older cars. I don't think you can do that anymore, yeah. but, yeah, just no. jam something in there and twist it. Either way, it's a great sight gag. He wants to uh, buy a racing stripe, and Peggy says it doesn't need a racing stripe. <laughs> Ooh, uh, yeah. a racing stripe! Also, the <laughs> the guy that comes and asks for the keys uh, Ian, is the actor Ian Gomez. Uh, which, if you're a fan of the Drew Carey show, like I was, which does not have a release anywhere, uh, no. Mill Creek, get on that. I'll, I'll take a DVD release only if I have to. Shout Factory, get on it. Ugh. Yeah, either somebody. Um, he he's 
he's been in a lot of sitcoms. Mm-hmm. I recognized him the second he walked out. I was like, oh, he's probably biting his cheek, trying not to laugh. <laughs> um, it, but one of the you, Jerry, you mentioned the uh, was it the, the 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 van diaper? No, wait, the oh the, the car, car bra, bra. the yeah, car the bra. Astro van size car bra. With, that was another great three point joke that they made. They're like. Uh, your your car, the Dodge does not need a car bra because the car bra that's the joke right there. That's just a funny thing yeah, to say. Great sight um, joke. It's not for the car. It's for your mom. Oh, yeah. they even have it in her size. <laughs> yeah, because at first you think he's throwing that at Peggy, and you're like, "Oof, wow, Al, you're trying to dig that grave early." But then he flips it around since they're going to Waker County and says it's about her mom and it's just like oh that's that's great because once again you, you hit joke joke again third joke and it, it works out so great there these th- three key jokes are just something that married with children just does fantastic i know it's their it's their emmy Ooh. ammo as we'll see later on <laughs> you know something kill I always wondered, you'd think that hot carnauba wax really comes out when the light goes on. Gee, bud, maybe you should save those mind-bending insights for a date. <laughs> or, or perhaps a willing rubber ear. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Kel. I forgot the only talking that goes on on your dates is keep the line moving. <laughs> Look at this place. What kind of loser works at a car wash? <sighs> But Marcy, I don't want to work in a car wash. Look, I am tired of coming home after a hard day's work and hearing you say, honey, guess who was on Oprah today? <laughs> it's like being married to Peggy. <laughs> Come on, this is the most embarrassing thing in the world. There is nothing wrong with an honest day's pay. Besides, who is going to see you? We find out that Jefferson is uh, has a job at the car wash because marcy is wanting him to start working this is a fancy ass car wash to have to, to be working at too i couldn't imagine working at a car wash where they'd make me have a long-sleeved tucked in shirt with a very slick apron on and a windex holster apparently like it it looks quite professional. If I had to work at a car wash, I wouldn't mind working there. Oh my god! It's the ex! Quick, hide! <laughs> Steve! Marcy! Steve! Marcy! What brings you to the car wash? Well, my car was dirty, and they do such a lousy job of cleaning it down at the batting cages, I thought I'd bring it here. Well, it's nice to see you're still such a sarcastic twit, Steve. Besides, I thought you were in the desert, protecting the wildlife and performing guys and dolls with your little cactus friends. That, much like our marriage, was just a phase. I did the environmental thing for a while and then decided I wanted to find myself. And what I found was uh, myself 
likes money. So, did Mr. Marcy let you out alone? Uh, have you um, been here long? Well, I guess for a little while. It takes a long time to detail a Lincoln town car. You're driving a town car? I live in town. So, um, where is the new unimproved, unemployed me? At home watching Richard Bay? If it's Jefferson you're referring to, I'll have you know he's at the office. You know, where he's busy working on his... Tan? Career. Steve returns. And I love the audience reaction. Jerry, how did you feel when you saw Steve come out? I was so excited to see Steve show up in a full suit, looking good. Um, and it's so great. The audience did not know he was coming. They blow up. In fact, the whole Steve looking at his watch thing, David Garrison did that on his own because they kept laughing and he couldn't say his lines. So he checked the time which was fantastic and i was just like this is what i need in my life is steve i love that morsey immediately pushes jefferson into the bathroom and is like i have to hide the fact that he works here because i'm I'm just hide yeah hide into a woman's bathroom (laughs) and steve is just coming in looking just sharp how i want steve to look steve i like steve in a flannel but man steve in a suit that is killer and I noticed something, too. I, I remember you mentioning this when he first returned in The Egg and I, that he was crazy Steve with this wild look in his eye. He doesn't have that anymore. Yeah, he's no longer wild and crazy. He's, you know, he's got himself looking good. He, he's turned his life around, maybe. But he's, he's, he's back to being his own personal confident self, or at least he's able to portray that in front of Marcy now compared to mm-hmm. the last time he really appeared in Marcy's life. I would like to see a backstory on that because, you know, he was hauled away by the feds for stealing that egg. So he probably faced jail time. And I'm wondering, I think we got, I would, the love, back. I would love that backstory. I would love that backstory. Oh, he didn't get jail time. He got it, first offense. He got community service. And that's why he was out doing uh theater of gals and dolls with cactuses yes and you're both you're both wrong he didn't get jail time it wasn't a first offense thing the only thing he got was an omelet and then (laughs) and then um but no like i think he said it all right there because there's a lot of setup for steve that's not told up front it's actually told through reflection because spoiler alert uh his his suit he's actually a town car personal driver and chauffeur which is made as a joke to show he's not really a you know high class or put together that's a well-paying very competitive job to get and he looks like he's doing it for someone quite uh quite professional and everything like it uh that that's a good job to have uh, that can get you up there and the fact is that his boss, I don't know why his boss was in there for so damn long, and maybe business meeting or something, but 
he had to be here to get this car washed while he's in there he sees marcy and jefferson maybe like filling out the application getting steve uh, jefferson his shirt he immediately had to toss his hat away um make up this plan to get the shoes shined and stand there looking all posed poised and everything like i control my image now you're right. Do it, this. it does make sense that he didn't keep the hat on because normally they would keep the hat on. So it does make sense that he probably did actually see Marcy in there and took off the hat, switched yeah. shoes. And when he walked in there and he was, you know, checking his suit and checking his watch, he wasn't doing that like for anything other than waiting for Marcy to see him. Mm-hmm. He's a professional stage actor able to tell a lot with his body and just his the way he stands and the way he looks and the way he speaks yeah and the way these he speaks is perfect along with uh along with amanda beer says marcy it's like steve marcy steve marcy and then he has to uh get in his diggy too when she jokes about him doing guys and dolls he says same old marcy's flat and to the point <laughs> yeah which by the way the gals and dolls joke is a joke because steve uh the actor david garrison left the show to go do uh theater stage productions so that was kind of a, a joke on him and apparently the joke about him doing theater with cactuses is also a reference to the peanuts and snoopy's brother who apparently talks to cactuses i i don't like the peanuts yeah, enough to know that that that's soup that is a super obscure like reference they made i wasn't even going to bring it up because i was like no one's gonna know that but yeah like <laughs> that but yeah, yeah. The, the the guys and dolls thing they're really bringing um the actual life of this actor david garrison into the show and i appreciate that and he got a really good my favorite dig for him was when uh marcy goes i have a better husband who is more materialistic than even you and he goes i'm sure and how much of that material is yours yeah, Steve Ooh. is really, really on his Al Bundy comebacks here. Like, he's just got him. Like, I love the fact that he puts Marcy in her place, never lets her win, always gets his one up the entire episode. A very, very obscure reference comes up when, well, Steve mentions, where is the new unimproved me? At home watching Richard Bay. a child that wasn't being supported by its father and then you saw the father go out and have another baby with another woman wouldn't it make you mad it's made our guests today mad as heck yeah for those of you who uh, remember the 90s actually i don't remember this guy too much richard bay he was born july 22nd 1951 he's an american talk show host and he was popular in the 90s as the host of the richard bay show 
and it ran from 1992 to 1996. And it was produced in Secaucus, New Jersey, later syndicated across the country. And, you know, this was when talk shows really, really started to go downhill. <laughs> and they started to go for the sleaze and the muck and all that stuff. And it featured the Richard Bay show. It featured competitive events like the Miss Big Butt Contest and the Mr. Puniverse Contest. Uh, the Drag Queen Cities versus the Drag Queens. Dysfunctional Family Feud, and Blacks Who Think O.J. is Guilty versus Whites Who Think He is Innocent. Uh, I mean, it was all just a, it was ridiculous. It was probably the, I can't, I don't know when the Jerry Springer show started, but this was a good precursor to it. However, going back to Al, we find out he's having problems of his. So what'd you get, Al? Huh? Nothing. I saw you over there by the audio cassettes. What'd you get? Ned Beatty sings the blues? He's got a right. I'm going to put this back. Yeah. Let's get the car. They better not have screwed up my Dodge, Peg. They are not going to screw up the Dodge, Al. They're professionals. Mr. Bundy, I don't know how to tell you this, but we can't find your car. <laughs> What do you mean you can't find my car? I saw it go in. <laughs> Me too, but it never came out. <laughs> That'll be eight ninety-five. <laughs> Ned B Betty sings the blues, and he's got a right. <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, like, uh, do y'all get I that do, joke? By the way, do y'all understand I, what that means? I do. Referring to. Um... Deliverance? Yeah, probably. because of what happens in Deliverance, he has the right to sing the blues. Ned Thomas Beatty, he was born July 6, 1937. I don't know if he ever put out a blues album or not. Probably not, because I don't think he was that good of a singer. But he was a very well-rounded, very seasoned actor. He was nominated for an Academy Award on a few occasions. He was also nominated for an Emmy Award and a Golden Globe. He was in a lot of different types of movies, ranging from comedy to horror. He was like in The Silver Streak. He was in All the President's Men. He was uh, Father Edwards in The Exorcist 2, which shall never be mentioned again because it was such a bad movie. He was Otis in Superman, where I remember him from. That was one of my first uh, reveals for him. And he was also Rudy Rudiger's father in Rudy, made in 1993. And he's probably best known for being, uh, I think his name was Bobby Tripp or something like that. Uh, Bobby Trippy in the movie Deliverance. And that's probably where they got the joke where he sings the blues. And I won't discuss it anymore. Okay, here let's... And you know what, listeners, if you want to know what that is, go figure that out on your own. We're not allowed to say it we're on a, cable TV. If I can't say F-bombs, we can't say that for sure. <laughs> if you haven't seen Deliverance, it is a very powerful movie. It's a, more of a guy movie, too. Uh, I don't know if the ladies would enjoy it. Oh, I think they'll enjoy it very much. Sit back and go, this normally happens to us. I'm glad to watch it happen to you. 
and just literally take it, make sure the squeamish people leave the room at the right time. The rest of the movie is a great, beautiful, beautiful shots of a part of Americana that doesn't usually get displayed quite well in, in film. It's usually, when that part is filmed, it's usually like in Florida or in Atlanta or in a back lot in LA. And they actually went to the locations where they were going to shoot there, so it's gorgeous. I, I hate to admit this, but, well, I don't hate to admit this part, but my grandparents were from Stillwell, which is a small rural community here in Oklahoma. And both, both of them are gone. And me, I've been a guitar player for a long time. And whenever I would go down to Stillwell with my parents, with my parents and my aunt and my um, cousins, I would always start to play dueling, the guitar version of dueling banjos. Yeah, I know how to play that. And I was just ju- doing it as a joke because, you know, it was kind of fun growing up with one foot in Stillwell. Kind of get the idea between rural and urban and knowing the best of both worlds because there's something to say for small towns but uh you know i remember my grandfather telling me don't be playing that song here mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah but it's it, it there's a really interesting type of movie genre that deliverance is in same with oh brother where art thou not i don't i don't like using the term because i think it is insensitive but hillbilly cinema it does partake like but sincere hillbilly stuff like uh same thing with king of the hill like there is something about that type of american values and culture that seem that's actually quite endearing if shot and done that's true because there are really two types of rednecks there are good wise rednecks that kind of know how to read people and uh, are intelligent and then there are the dumb ones who are always wanker county f yeah and that's it you know <laughs> that's your wanker county oh god wanker county and deliverance like that's where they went that's where deliverance was they were in wanker county oh, no. <laughs> oh i don't know if wanker county is smart enough to do to the stuff the deliverance guys did oh yeah i mean that guy knew like four chords and had at least all his fingers so good point <laughs> this is a post-production note Regarding Ned Beatty, on June 13th, 2021, he died at the age of 83, about two months after the podcast was recorded and about uh, a week and a half to two weeks after it was fully produced. Oscar-nominated actor who appeared in over 160 films. Ned, thank you for all the wonderful characters that you portrayed. We hope you rest in peace. This episode is dedicated in your memory.
Mikey, the manager, walks in and says that uh, they lost his car. <laughs> what do you mean you lost it? I saw it go yeah. in. So, yeah, so it did didn't we. come out. <laughs> it didn't come out. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered, you know, I thought, okay, maybe it fell apart in there. That's the joke that I thought, is that they were going to go with, it It broke down, it couldn't handle the hot wax and the water and all that, and it, and it broke down. And, it, like, when Al would go inside the car wash, he would trip over it or something. But I guess, really, that doesn't make sense either, because even if the car is old, like, at most, like, the tires fall off or something, but it can't fall, like, into pieces like it's a it's a Looney Tunes cartoon. Uh, this is the closest the show ever got to trolling me legitimately, because I thought first, when they were going to look into the window, I thought... There's pieces all on the ground. You're right. I thought it would, they, it fell apart. No, they didn't do that. I was like, oh, wait, maybe this is a secret car theft thing. They steal cars, and then they give you, like, uh, a lemon beater and stuff, and then they transfer it over, and it's going to be a joke how Al's car is actually bad or good or great. And while I'm thinking of that, then it goes away. I'm just like, oh, then what is it? Oh, you know what would have been great? If it would have been that, like, they they take these people's cars and then they give them a beater. Oh, well, until we find your car, you know, here's a beater. But they take Al's car and they give him a beater only for the beater to be better than Al's car. So they're like, oh, we found your car. Yeah, he opens up the trunk yeah. and instead of Biggins, there's Red Book in there. Like, there's just so many interesting ways that could have gone, but... And then they could have tied it in with Steve, with Steve's, like, like if they were going to do the Steve getting caught, like, they could have actually tied it in with Steve's car getting stolen, and then, you know, his employer coming out and, and throwing a fit and all of that in front of uh, Marcy. Like, they, they could have actually tied that in more together, because for some reason... They decided that Steve was not going to interact with anyone except for Marcy. It was a smart move. I hear what you're saying, yeah. and I totally would have loved a like um, choose your own adventure kind of like path with this episode because I would like to see that. But at the same time, I think this is a feel good episode. This is a greatest hits for the fans. We're bringing back an, an old guest. And we're going to give put that guest where that guest should be so strong, very strongly enough. And we're going to make sure Al is with his family. So there's no reason for him to have to be paired up with anybody. And we're going to shoestring Marcy and Jefferson in. But actually, not shoestring. That makes sense. Marcy is always trying to get him to work. And she literally dragged his ass to there to work. And it all pretty much works out. To put Steve with Al would this late in the game wouldn't make much sense. It would it, it would uh, imply that there's going to be more stuff going on with Steve rather than this very nice albeit sad for you Jerry final send-off. Uh no, he appears in one more episode. Oh, well you not I mean not fine. It it totally to me was implied that this was a final. Like, oh yeah. Send-off. I guess I just really wanted to see to go back to the days when him and Al would both kind of go in on Marcy, like that to me was, I, I kind of really wanted that 
But I guess in my mind, I also wanted them to also make fun of Jefferson, but I know that's not going to happen. It's too many, like too many uh, variables to be bouncing around. It would get a little too crazy. Exactly. You forget, Jerry, this is their Emmy shot. Audiences don't like big experimental things like that. To quote Fry from Futurama, smart things make people feel stupid, and exciting things make people feel scared. I just, uh, when, I, when I look at it, I think that uh, they just didn't have enough time to do anything with Al. What I missed, though, with Steve and Al was the way they would go at each other sometimes. How Steve would deride Al, you know, who in here is reading art books, who in here would be reading you know, that's a good one from one particular episode. Even when he came back in the egg and I, he was still insulting them. I say, you've gone to college since I left. You know, he's just that little sarcastic asshole. Mm-hmm. The, and, yeah, the, the odd couple pairing between the two of them. Yes. Yeah. And it, that, that was the, what I liked about the Steve and Al dynamic is that, yeah, they were friends, but there was still a little friction in there. And Al essentially chipped away at Steve's uh, uh, veneer to show what he really was. You're right. But unlike the odd couple where if, uh, you always see how the both kind of influence the other very subtly, in this version, Al is not raised up by Steve in any way, shape, or form. He, nope. Uh, Al, like a much like a a horrible spore infects everything around him and brings Steve down onto his level. Like, or the, the fan, the bunk, the Bundys themselves just like poison the Darcy's like just completely. I loved that. And you're right. That would have been really cool. I used to bring that up all the time on the show about Steve getting influenced by Al and making jokes that he would not normally have made because of Al. Um, and we even brought in a few times where, peg influenced marcy so like that's always been something that's happened uh you see uh, listeners this is why on the show they didn't have al and david doing this stuff because much like our guest here who's totally taking credit for my awesome pointing out things by reminding everybody of better times <sighs> the, the show was scared they didn't want that to happen <laughs> Hello, this is Carl, a.k.a. Mr. Wildcat, coming to you from Tucson, Arizona. I would like to congratulate the Married Children podcast on making it to its 200th episode. And I would like to give a special thanks to Alex Edwards for making the Married Children podcast a reality. I've watched the Married Children podcast every single week. I first caught on to it during the podcast hiatus between season seven and eight, and I've been watching every week since, and I do tune into old episodes um, just to catch up on what I've been missing. I have been watching Married Children for the past 19 years, dating back to my freshman year of high school, and Married Children podcast has added additional um, elements to each episode that I never even thought existed. And that's pretty much my most favorite part of tuning to the podcast. Congratulations again, and I look forward to hearing you guys week in and week out. Bear down, guys. Hello, everyone. Chris Gunter here, and I just wanted to take a quick moment to talk about how much I enjoy the Married with Children podcast. If you've listened to the episodes I've reviewed with the rest of the team, you know that I've been a fan of the show since I was a little kid. 
and you know I never imagined that I would uh, find a fan group this amazing and never in my wildest dreams did I uh, envision myself being part of the podcast team itself. Uh, it's truly been one of the great pleasures of my life um, going over these episodes and having fun with uh, all the fans in this group. Um, I kind of envision myself probably 20 or 30 years from now watching Married with Children reruns and, and enjoying them and then listening to the podcast episodes and saying, hey, it's amazing I was a part of that. And I also, uh, of course, want to thank Alex Edwards. He's our founder and executive producer. Thank you, Alex, for uh, founding uh, the greatest Married with Children podcast in the world. Very much appreciated. Thank you. I'm Mikey. I'm the manager. Of what, the Mets? I don't take lip from shoe salesmen. Well, what do you want? I have a book report due tomorrow. Well, I want my car. It never came out the other end. Are you sure you brought a car? No, I drove the wife. Of course I brought a car, you zit farm. I'm afraid I got some more bad news. Now, I thought I'd check the lost and found. Oh, this ought to be good. There were no Dodges. There was a nice Plymouth, though. Ooh, Al. I don't want a Plymouth peg. I want my Dodge, Dagnabbit. Dagnabbit? What'd you do, get the hooked on phonics Yosemite Sam tape? This is ridiculous. How can our car just disappear? Siegfried and Roy make that tiger disappear. Well, we all know where that goes. Look, Bundy, we don't want you to go away dissatisfied customer. So here's a card good for one free car wash. Now, this is ridiculous. I'm going to retrace my steps. Somewhere in this car wash is a Dodge with my name on it. Gee. I didn't know they made a Dodge loser. Hey, wait a minute. I have an idea. Let's have Buck go search for it. He's a dog. Oh, come on. He's a hundred. He misses when he tries to lick himself. No, so do you. But a dog never loses his sense of smell. Go find the Dodge, mighty Buck. Go. Go! What's he doing? He's going. Maybe I should have said leave. I still would have gone. And they kind of keep the Looney Tunes aspect in there that the show went to in the latter years when there's a, there's a line in there when Al says, I want back my Dodge, Dodge Dagnabbit. And the kid says, oh, who are you, Yosemite Sam? Oh, yeah. Oh. Would you get that? Well, what did he say? Mm-hmm. It wasn't Rosetta Stone. Uh, like you got, like, But <clears throat> the joke of it being... Hooked on phonics. Yeah, the hooked on phonics, Yosemite Sam. That was a fantastic line. I That flew right past me. I, I didn't hear... Like I saw it on the subtitles, and I was like, wait, 
did that say Yosemite Sam? And I rewound. I'm like, oh, wow, that was a good Looney Tunes like joke right there. And, yeah, let me tell you where that's from. Hooked on Phonics, it's a commercial brand of educational materials. It was designed for reading and education through phonetics or sounding out a word. And these commercials was advertised extensively on TV throughout the radio and TV uh, through the 1990s. Hooked Phonics worked for me. Hooked on 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 Phonics worked for me. Learn to read with Hooked on Phonics, the musical reading program. Then, read to learn with SRA reading comprehension used by over 60 million people. Hooked on Phonics worked for me. Call 1-800-ABCDEFG. I also like that they kept trying to also, they kept bringing up Plymouth in this uh, especially since the the car that's actually used as his Dodge is a Plymouth in real life. And then I do like the part when, um, you know, they're saying this is ridiculous. The car should be here. Kelly thinks Buck can find it. And he says, go, Buck, go. What's he doing? Well, he's going. <laughs> I like that. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we totally did miss it. But um, the <laughs> I, one of the things I loved about this set was the view uh, into the car wash, which we get a full panning shot of Al doing his most Looney Tunes thing of this episode, something we've all probably thought of doing at one point in our lives. Just we'll go right through the car wash. I said, there's got to be a logical explanation for this. And maybe somebody stole it. We would have seen somebody driving off in our car. (laughs) It's not like we're not observant. There are four of us. One of us would have had to see something. still here it's not gonna get past me yeah let's just keep our eyes peeled al is trying to retrace the steps he's going in there to try and find his car and you're right that scene is hilarious oh by the way if you want to see the intellivision it you do see it while uh al is walking through the car wash oh okay oh because i was wondering where you saw that there it is anyway I know what you're doing, you know. Sitting there like some soulless, money-grubbing snob because you know it turns me on. (laughs) Well, it's not going to work. I already have a man, and he's even more materialistic than you. And how much of that material is yours? Are you implying that I support Jefferson and that he's never earned a penny in his life because you don't know the half of it... Are those Gucci loafers? Yes, they do look smashing on me, don't they? Well, they do distract from the rest of you. (laughs) Same old Marcy, flattened to the point. And then I like the more interaction that uh, Steve has with Marcy when he's getting his shoes shined. Remember, he's got his newspaper up and he kind of peeks at her, pulls up the newspaper. Oh, yeah. Him and his Gucci loafers. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I never heard of Gucci loafers. Oh, I have. They're 
something I can't afford. <laughs> yeah, Gucci's are Gucci is very very expensive, and loafers are basically old rich white people shoes so i guess uh, al would have no concept of those types of shoes no al probably doesn't even sell loafers in his shoe store yeah i wouldn't think so i thought i th- i wondered if that was you know a, a joke inserted in there a you know gucci loafer shoes al works at a shoe store i don't know just uh theory you know what since we're bringing up like uh we're talking we're we're salivating all over steve's attire and everything i think we should bring up I, i'm have i'm just like scrolling through the episode on my ipad while we're doing this um marcy's outfit it is disgustingly gross color however i kind of dig the uh horse vest that she has on <laughs> You guys catch this vest she's wearing? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. Her outfits just get <laughs> weirder and weirder. I do like her hair like this, though. I'm a fan of the yeah. hair. Yeah, it's real. Uh, it's real Meg Ryan. And, yeah, uh, like you got mail kind of look going. You realize if we're being caught in the women's restroom, we're gonna dock you a week's pay? Well, there goes that yacht I was gonna buy. <laughs> on thin ice, Mr. Ivy League pervert in the bathroom looking up women's skirts. <laughs> now I don't want any more shenanigans out of you. I want you buffing the next thing that comes out of here. <laughs> Al, what are you doing here? Well, I was on my way to Wanker, thought I'd stop and walk through the car wash. <laughs> Wasn't the wax hot? Yeah. (laughs) That's the price you pay if you want to wear a bikini. Mikey, who doesn't take gruff from shoe salesman, is mad at Jefferson for being in the girl's bathroom that Marcy shoved him into. Oh, man. And he says, we're going to dock your pay. And then there's Jefferson saying, well, there goes that yacht I wanted. (laughs) A whole week of his, the first week of his pay on his first day. Guess what? My boss says he's going to dock my first week's pay on my first day. Guess what? That's my last day. <laughs> I'm screw that. I'm out. <laughs> and the, and I also think it's just as funny. Well, I doubt if he got the hot car wax. And Jefferson's Jefferson is there at the end of greeting. Well, wasn't the <laughs> wasn't the car wax hot? And I love how his response is. Well, you got to make sacrifices to wear a bikini. And on paper, you're right, that's so great. But on paper, this probably seemed a little silly and to not put it in, but I'm so glad they left it. Those two extras that immediately start buffing out. Yeah. <laughs> you guys buff whatever the heck comes out of there. Well, okay. <laughs> they don't even blink. They're just like, oh, and also great use of extras. There's just so much going on here. The dude who's buffing Steve's shoes, you see him like a minute and a half later uh, in a red, in a, one of those orange aprons, buffing a car in the background. Well, Marcy, I see the town car is ready. Anyway, I, sorry I didn't get a chance to see that busy executive husband of yours. That's right. He is busy doing what an executive does. Interfacing, networking, making multi-million dollar decisions. Hey, Willie, towel or sponge in the hubcaps? (laughs) 
I see he's in the middle of a power wash. Okay, so maybe he's not on the Forbes 400 or 4,000, or maybe he wouldn't even be a rich man in Peru. But he's got something you will never have. A Windex holster? Class. Which, I might add, money can't buy. Jefferson doesn't need to make a lot of money. I'm happy with him just the way he is. Marcy? That's so good. Shut up. Let's go. I thought you wanted me to work. I do. It's just that I have another position in mind for you. Maybe two. Here, you dropped your hat. Come on, get in the car, let's go. Yes, sir. Aren't those my shoes? Oh, oh, yes, sir. I had them polished for you. Barely escaping the truth, we find out that, well, Steve is just a chauffeur because his boss came out and his boss is played by Pierre Gano. I'm thinking that's how you say it. It's G-O-N-N-E-A-U. He only has nine acting credits and he's credited as Mr. DePlayer. So I don't know what that is. So he's the president of Tremaine University. Uh, he has some sporadic stuff. He was in a single episode of Ironside back in 73. Also, he was in Canon, another one in 1974. Then he has a long break in here. He was also in a very fun movie called Heartbreakers. I don't remember him in it, but it stars Sigourney Weaver and uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Anyhow... Not much is known on him. We just know he's the president of Tremaine University. We're not going to see him again, but we're assuming this is the person that uh, Steve is going to blackmail in order to become the president of Tremaine University. Yes, Steve will return a little bit later this year. It's going to be called Radio Free Tremaine. It's probably the only one with uh, Steve I don't like at all. Of course, Marcy gets to trade some barbs with her ex-husband once again. And, Jerry, don't be surprised. I'm sure you'll be invited uh, to partake in that one. So, Anyhow, uh, Jerry, what are your thoughts? We, the audience, get the wink at the end that, you know, he's not as high and mighty as you know, he's made Marcy believe, but the fact that they didn't ruin that by showing Marcy just made it so much better. I was so happy. I was just like, quick, quick, get in the car, drive away. You, you, you are, you're on top. You win. It's total. The lie doesn't exist unless somebody knows. Hurry up. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, it, it's kind of funny because this whole Steve and Marcy thing is just way funner and, and more interesting to watch. Then the the Bundy storyline that's going on here, which some of the jokes for me don't really work about, you know, them just trying to find this car and can't find the car. They they make it work story wise, but it's just some of the jokes kind of don't land for me as much. And it's maybe because 
they're using all the quick wit on Steve and Marcy. I think this also kind of serves as a direct sequel to The Egg and I, in a way, because when he went to see Marcy that night, he was thinking, I'm going to get back with her. She's going to miss me. We're going to get together again. And that didn't happen. And so now he's just totally through with her. And so he is going to try and deride her as much as he can. The hatred's probably come back. He doesn't like being upstaged by a gigolo, although he doesn't know that Marcy sometimes calls out Steve when making love to Jefferson, as uh, it was referenced in a previous episode. Yeah, but uh, you're you're but you know what? You guys are both on point with that that statement, especially Jerry. The way you said he's getting all these great Al digs because he has to be doing that. Very nice, Al. You are over here dilly-dallying with Jefferson, and we're out looking for the car. Peg, what is it with you? You can change 6D batteries in the dark, but you can't find a two-ton automobile in broad daylight. Let's not start talking about who can't find what in the dark. All right, all right. Here's what we'll do. We'll split up. Then what? That's it, just split up. I should have thought of this years ago. Dad, what about the car? Look, I say we each take a different path and circle the lot. I mean, the Dodge has got to be here. That's right. But when we find it, we still get to split up, don't we? (laughs) I love how he says, we should split up. Oh, man, the kids don't want to give up. The car has to be there. And so... I love Bud makes this suggestion. Why don't we all circle the place and see if we can find it? And Al is like, we still get to split up, though, don't we? (laughs) You know, I can't believe it. It's gone. The Dodge is really gone. Maybe the earth opened up and swallowed it. (laughs) No, then it would have spit it back up. (laughs) You know, it's not so much the Dodge as what was inside it. What was in it? Stuff. Biggins. I'm not saying. Just got off the phone with the owner. and He wants to do something to make this up to you. Like what? We're going to buy you another car. I don't want another car. Shut up, Al. But Peg, there's still stuff in that car. Shut up. How does new Hyundai sound? Like an old lawnmower. <laughs> I want my car. Al, would you please shut up and just take the car before somebody comes Mr. Bundy, the... we found your car. Of course. Where was it? On the lot. Yeah, when we washed all the dirt off, we found it was a different color. (laughs) Gee, Al, maybe if we got you to take a shower, we'd find out you were black. (laughs) Then again. What color was it? Red. Hey, come to think of it, I remember buying a red dog. (laughs) Look at her family, isn't she a beauty? Family. Isn't he a shoe salesman? Let's go. Uh, wait a minute. I gotta check and see if my stuff's in here. What stuff? Oh, you know, biggins. <laughs> it's not biggins, Peg. And then when they find the car, I liked it when they said, hey, we found your car. 
it was red. Oh yeah, it's really the way they set that up is very well because uh, the manager Mikey, who you know, it's played by uh, Michael Fascino, David's brother, is uh, you know saying, "Hey, we're going to give you a new car," and Peggy's like, "Don't say no, hurry up, let's take this before they find my." And then, oh, here we go. We found your car. Yeah. <laughs> Great joke. <laughs> and Peg is so disappointed. She's just so upset about, oh, we didn't get that new car. What was the joke on uh, that they were making about Hundy? Uh, about the car Hundy? Was there a joke about that that I didn't get? I don't think. I don't remember a Hundy yeah, joke. I, I, How's a use Hundy sound? Honda? No, no, it was Hyundai. Hyundai's a type of car. Uh, well, I know I own a Hyundai. I, I don't remember Is what I said back. Exactly, he had to have said something because I remember them bringing up. It was really intense when he's just like, "The owner wants to buy you a new car." Damn straight, by the way. Like you lose my car in your car wash. Like, oh, you're absolutely buying me a new one. Um, but they're like, "How does a used Hyundai sound like?" Oh man, I might have to pull the episode up later for this. But yeah, like he, it was a nice joke because Al is so. I want my Dodge. Bring it back. Tag mm. Nabbit. Well, I think the thing is also Dodges were made in the U.S. and Hyundai, Honda, Toyota, and those cars really came into prominence in the '90s. They were taken over in in a big way, and I think that was kind of like uh, Al wanting something that was truly American. Oh, that's right, right, right. I drive American. And last in the previous season, you know, he screwed up the uh, the Dodge because it was up to a million miles, and he was ready to go and do that. And then it rolls out and gets over that zero 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 marker. Uh, and, then, and now it's yeah. a new car. And then it yeah, drops. and he has <laughs> they... another chance for a new car, and it slips through their fingers. But then there's a joke in there. <laughs> um, Peg says, gee, Al, maybe you were to take a shower. We found out you're black. Then again. Yeah. At oh, first, wow. when, when when the joke was originally said, maybe uh-huh. we're finding black, I was like, Ugh, I, don't, I don't know about this. But then when she goes, but then again, and kind of looks down, then I was like, <laughs> okay, that's funny. Because that's. Guys, we already made the racist joke make it worse now like we can't take it back might as well double down like ah yeah you know what mary with children to its credit doesn't do that too often so whatever well and it's and it's let's be honest if you're gonna have one stereotype a big penis is a good stereotype to have yeah (laughs) she didn't say like uh she didn't say something like uh Although I'd never seen you eat a watermelon or something like that. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, you totally cut that out. But yeah, no, but she specifically glances down, which is when you watch it, you'll see her specifically glance down. Oh, that's right. I didn't even, I forgot she did glance down. That's a little racy, even more racy than I would think you could get away with. Wow. Well, this mm. show's always gotten away with a lot of. A lot of racy stuff. And to me, one of the well, Tyler and I, you have talked about this before again, in that Kelly um, Kelly knows something. Remember what they're supposed to do with the lever? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
you know, and I still think I'm still wondering how they got away with that one. I'm still wondering how they didn't remember uh, that when he bought the Dodge, it was brown, not red. No, he just has memories of buying a red car. Yeah, because uh, the Dodge was bought in season four. Oh, what a feeling. And it, it was brown. It was never red. Well, Al didn't have his glasses at that point. Oh, wait, no, he still doesn't have them now. Never mind. That doesn't work either. <laughs> well, it's an, it's inconsistent. But what, what we're dealing with Mary with children again. Of course, also in season four, it's pretty clear he bought his old car back. You know what? I'll agree. There is some, in a heavily continuity-laid episode, they did kind of flub it with the color of the car. But I will give it to them because they actually show us the car, which I am sorry. you, My car is a burgundy Kia Forte that is always covered in dirt because I have to travel down dirt roads a lot. When I go through a car wash, there is no car wash that's good enough that is going to not only wipe the dirt away, but also blast the rust away and make it look like it was 2010 again. (laughs) That car, whatever that car they shot, probably the owner of Fox's Network at the Times car, that is not a clean old car that is a pristine brandly probably minted beautiful car with a gross uh, trunk but it, it made me laugh when i saw it the fact that we got to see it means they can make that joke it's very startling to see that red then they immediately mess it up by closing doing the close shot of him in at the trunk and showing that the car is brown again yeah again but it, it, you're you're worrying too much about that because you're not uh, you're you're not paying attention to what's inside the trunk. Well, no, it actually comes back to something me and Alex would talk about a lot, where we would it it always came down to the episode where Marcy loses her ring, and in the episode, if you watch really closely, you actually see the ring fall onto the floor, and we and we were just like. It's only going to be people like us who would make a podcast who are going to notice these really small, detailed things that in reality doesn't matter. It doesn't actually affect anything. But you're right. Like the the continuity is it's important when it needs to be, and sometimes you just just miss it. You just miss the shots, or it does it didn't work, and then you just. Uh, I'm sure someone was like, ah, do we reshoot this? I, I'm also just like, were you not allowed to open the trunk on the red car? Were you allowed to show w- w- the trunk of the red car, but that's it? But you can't show it opened? This is Rupert Murdoch's car. If he, if we get one scratch on it, he's going to shoot us in the head. Yeah, just like, what's what's going on here? I don't understand. But either way, like, I do love the fact that they, they kept making these Bigham jokes. And as they're going there, and it's not Biggins. It's not Biggins. And then he opens the truck, and it is Biggins. And once again, you know, there's something, there's stuff in the car. Oh, is it Bigham? Then later on, they set that up again. And here we go three parter. Oh, you've got a Bigham's in the truck. One, it's not Bigham's. Two, you open it up, it is Bigham's three, but then they hit you with their uh, award 
award not winning in me moment as they show that he has a picture of his family and they put up the text of for your Emmy consideration because even though they've done 200 episodes they've never won an, an Emmy okay perfect right there better but Al doing random like sweet things for his family like that is, is something I've always liked early on in I think season one in the episode 16 years and what do you get or something some title like that uh, we have the same kind of thing where at the end of the episode Al does something like really really sweet for Peggy and you know we talk about how much he he makes fun of Peggy and talks negative about her but he really does love her and it's also shown because he never cheats on Peggy even though he's had a few times, especially with those stewardesses, the flight attendants, that he could have, and he didn't. So, Al's always actually been pretty sweet on his family, and I do like that uh, they use it very sparingly, but when they do it, and they put it in there to show you that, oh yes, he still really cares for his family, it works really well. Tyler, you and I recently did the Dial B for Virgin. And that's the same thing in there, because in the end, they finally find a movie, Butch Cassidy, and then they're enjoying being with each other in the closet of all places at the end. So, And that's another reason why I really like this episode. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, you're right. They never finished Butch Cassidy, and they never will. Um, but yeah, the, you're right. And Jerry, that's true. Like they, Peggy and Al definitely have that connection and al does show it and the whole family does while you were saying that it made me think to all the times uh kelly has stuck up for bud and bud has stuck up for kelly and peggy to kelly and al to bud like there's just so many times the show shows that this family truly does love each other they just don't like each other kelly and bud are always at each other but i will never forget the time kelly got revenge for Bud and tied up uh, Tiffany Amber Thiessen naked for messing with Bud like that. Mm -hmm. Or, and one of my favorite ones, too, that's that's so savage and beautiful. But one of my favorites is Bud standing up for Kelly because Kelly will never, ever know is when the date that dropped her off and... uh, bumped into Bud or something like and talked about his sister like that oh okay one sec and just decks this guy to the ground he doesn't deck him he hugged him he coughed and he says and you're gonna get he says some of the effect of I've got the mumps or measles or something like that most shows family oriented shows they always have to try to force the idea that deep down we really do like each other and you know what? In reality, there are a lot of times families don't... There are members of families that don't like each other. But you love them, no, no, no. And, uh, pardon me for saying this, I haven't talked to my father in about seven, eight years. I don't want to get into all the details, but the thing is, uh, I still worry about him because I heard he has dementia now. And I think, uh, I wouldn't want anyone to go through that. Nobody. You know, and I hope... He, I hope he passes on, you know, soon instead of being a drawn out agony like that and putting my stepmom and his daughter through all that. And even if you had and you said you haven't talked to him in seven, eight years, I'm sorry about that, Stephen. That, that sucks. But yeah. if you were in a room and with, uh, I don't know, uh, with somebody you do speak to with your family and then one of your dad's old jerk buddies comes in and is like, oh, yeah, Stephen. 
like your dad don't worry man your dad's a real blah 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 and starts giving him crap you know you'd stand up for him too like you know and that's it i would say hey he did the best he could and i'm sorry i i'm just i'm sad we couldn't work things out i really am you don't get to say stuff about my dad i do yeah you may actually be able to work things out with him now because he may not remember it so and i'm not no i don't mean that as a joke i'm being serious like you may actually be able to swallow the the pill of letting the past go and getting like a final good memory with him because he may not be able to remember those things. It's it's a gamble, but it may be one yeah. worth taking. It might be. I just don't want to encroach right now because I'm sure my stepmother doesn't like me too much either. Well, you but, know what? Uh, that's family. Maybe that's, that's too fa- personal. You know what? No, it's not. This is a family show, Stephen, and we sometimes bring our own worlds into it. So uh, you just made it more personal. I liked it. Yeah. Real quick, I do want to mention that, you know, that announcement for your Emmy consideration. Mary Wachow was nominated for seven Emmys. They didn't win any of them. Outstanding Light Direction in uh, But I Didn't Shoot the Deputy. Outstanding Light Direction again for a comedy series. In for the episode, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Outstanding editing for a series from multi-camera production in 1989 for Requiem for a Dead Barber. Also, they were nominated in the same category the next year for the episode, Who Will Stop the Rain? They were nominated for Outstanding Costuming for a Series in 1990 for the episode, Rain Girl. They were nominated in in the same category in 1981 for Married with Aliens. (laughs) Yeah. And also in the same category, costuming in 1994 and Take My Wife, Please. So this is their, their, that was their last Emmy nomination. And this episode played in February. So I'm not too sure when Take My Wife, Please aired, but uh, that was, that would have been the same season pretty much. And so the Emmys would have been right around the corner. So this maybe may have also been a campaign for them to win that Emmy. Well, Stephen, you segued me in perfectly to my last thing because I was doing my own research on these on the Emmys. Um, so the Emmy, the forty seventh Primetime Emmy Awards of nineteen ninety five, aired on September tenth. That was the ceremony, mm-hmm. and that year the winners for Outstanding Comedy Series. Uh, was Frasier. Sorry, Jerry. You, you, it, it, it knows better. <laughs> um, outstanding Drama was NYPD Blue. And yeah, they're, I'm looking through all the nominees and Married with Children, I don't even think I'd nominated for in that year. I don't want to get on a soapbox here, but um, none of those award shows matter. Emmys, Oscars, none of those matter. And you want to know why they don't matter? Because it's a bunch of elitist snobs who pick uh, all this, uh, what makes them look like they know high art. And they're not willing to come down to look at what is entertaining in entertainment. It does not always have to be highbrow, sophisticated. It doesn't always have to be a Steve. You can enjoy a Jefferson. It's okay. And it's okay to award a Jefferson. It's okay to say, you know what? Al's acting is hilarious. 
he des- deserves a pat on the back for that. You don't always have to make him go do a 24-hour shoe sale. And that's the that's why Married with Children will always be such a great show because it connects to us regular people who get to look and go, well, at least I'm not a shoe salesman, you know? Yeah. Unless you are a shoe salesman, then I'm, I don't know what to say, but uh, don't say anything to me because as... Tyler already told you, we don't take no lip from shoe salesmen. Ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Herring, most notably <laughs> known as never winning an Emmy Award. I totally agree with you on that, Jerry. I really do. As a matter of fact, after I watched uh, this episode last night, I watched the episode before it, which was a special with George Plimpton, who uh, analyzes Mary with Children and refers to Al as the everyman that we like to watch him because he endures all this stuff. And I think it's the people who watch the show that make it a hit. If I don't like something like you don't like Frasier, uh, one show I never really liked that much was Friends. I didn't think it was that great of a show. It wasn't. Don't worry. And <laughs> But the thing is, I'm not going to condemn anyone for liking it. Uh, Alex is a big fan of um, Saved by the Bell. I always thought that was really cheesy and corny, but you know, but Alex likes it. So and I don't like. Re- I don't really care for The Simpsons. Uh, we're not friends anymore, Jerry. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's fine. You like the Ferguson episode? Are you really yeah. worth being friends with? Uh, yes, I am. <laughs> because what I like is important. What you like, unless it's what I like, is not as important. You must be on the committee for the Emmys. I I am, yeah. and uh, have you noticed the lack of Emmys in your house? So. Actually, I have. That is kind of weird. <laughs> I heard that speech you made about the Emmys. All I heard was a non-Emmy winner right here. I'm not trying to brag here, but uh, the thing is, it's kind of like at school. Every year we have this teacher of the year at our school site, then to our district, and then it goes to the state. <laughs> I... And then we also, at my particular school, we have this thing where the kids can vote on their favorite teacher, you know, every month. I've won a couple of those. That's more viable to me than being nominated for teacher of the year at another school district I worked at about 15 years ago. (laughs) I'm just looking, I'm thinking of you right now, Stephen, like the first time it was shown that you won beforehand, you're just like, someone's like, Mr. Mr. Scott, uh, what do you think about the Teacher of the Year Award? Ah, uh, it's nearly nothing but a popularity contest. No one really cares. I mean, if I, who doesn't matter anything? Hey, you know you won. I won! Woo! Yeah, you're going to feel a little pride in there. Like I said, I felt pride when I won it uh, at a small district called Midway about 10, 15. Uh, no, uh, let's see, that was 2006, so that was 15 years ago. I was proud. I liked getting nominated by my peers. But when you get it more from a student, it means a lot more. Absolutely. If you understand, you understand what I'm getting at there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Because they know me a lot more than my coworkers. Mm-hmm. They see me at my worst and my best. They see me when I'm doing well and when I'm not. And so, so awards they're nice, but it's like the People's Choice Award. I've never watched them, but I'm more likely to watch that than the Emmys or the Oscars any days. Because the people are voting on it. The audiences are. Exactly. And Jerry, you're right. Uh, I, 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 we kid around, but the Emmys, much like the Oscars, to win, I personally don't think the winners matter. 
in my mind, I think if you if 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 the show has weight, if the award ceremony has weight, the weight is actually being nominated. I think when they say it's an honor just to be nominated, that's not a uh, well, second place is be- is not the best or whatever. No, no, no. That's a you got nominated, you got recognized. Your show, your work has been shown. We can't give an Oscar to everybody, but your performance was definitely enough to get noticed by people. Yeah, but with this, it, Married with Children got noticed for lighting and costuming. That like it never got nominated. It never got nominated for best comedy series or none of the actors got nominated which if you go back and listen to early episodes of the mary jr podcast alex and i would point out constantly how good these little facial expressions they do are and how well timed they are like it's not just how well they deliver lines but it how well they do with their facial expressions and body language that really helps sell stuff and it's just like that like come on and their chemistry with other people on the set like I cannot imagine anyone else other than Ed O'Neill and Katie Seagal being Alan Peck. No one can replace them. I have an answer, though, I think, Jerry, for this this problem. I'm going through the uh, most major nominations or most like the average amount of nominations by network. Let me guess. They just nominated Cheers 27 years in a row. Well, no, 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 because this has this is more about how the Emmys choose people by their network. Um, nominees by NBC, 56. Nominees by, from CBS, 32. From HBO, 27. ABC, 20. NBC, 15. And uh, so on and so forth. Did you notice I, a network that I didn't mention? Fox. Exactly. Fox wasn't getting any mention. So I think it's less to do with Married with Children. And the fact that they're on Fox. Let me ask, uh, Tyler, was that during the 95 or Mm -hmm. overall? That was 95. Yeah, Fox was still new. And yeah, you're right. A lot of them didn't uh, have a derision for Fox Network at that time. And it makes but it makes absolutely sense because the highlights of that year were outstanding comedy, outstanding music or comedy sketches. Uh, It was one of the first times that the... uh, the Tonight Show with Jay Leno got on for outstanding variety music or comedy series. So comedy was a big in people's mind. Uh, Frasier was out there. But since Frasier was picked, being the antithesis of Mary with Children in a way. Yeah. A non-family show. Because Frasier is a family show in a weird way. It's not a traditional family home. Uh Thing, but it's yeah if you let your children watch frazier they will grow up to be the menendez brothers so be careful with yes that. absolutely it's definitely political why the show wouldn't get it but at, between you and me i'm kind of happy that i'm not happy that they didn't get nominated but the fact of the matter is in my mind mary with children has no place in the emmys like they're too, they're what they offer, their brand of humor, what makes them good is not something that a award show at that time could could capture. It's only when what we do when we look back and show people how good it was is how it can be really appreciated. You know, and it's kind of like also the TV show Roseanne. I don't know how, if it was nominated for any Emmys. Oh, it was. There was a slight difference between the two because Roseanne and Married with Children both were more about working class people. Uh, Married with Children got a little bit too farcical in his portrayal of dysfunction in families. At least Roseanne, they were trying to create 
a good family, but they just went through a lot of uh, tumult. Roseanne was trying to emphasize the modern, uh, trying to display the modern family in of America in very realistic terms. Yeah, Married with Children was not that realism. And on top of that, Michael Moyer and Ron Levitt, when they created it, they were wanting to call it not the Cosbys because they were sick of Cosbys and how sugary, sweet, and saccharine it was. Exactly. I mean, I liked it. I thought it had some... It was funny in some spots, or, or it was hilarious, to be honest with you. Anyway, but uh, they were just trying to do the antithesis of uh, that type of series, where everyone's functioning well. You know, I grew up on the Brady Bunch. I just grew up on it. You know, going home from school, you could watch, see that in Gilligan's Island. Exactly. That's your, those were That's your television that, that, back then. Yeah, that was my television growing up. And so you have a fondness for it. And if you look at the Brady Bunch, that's... You know, a really one of those sugary, saccharine, sweet kind of uh, shows. Oh wow! Kind of like, uh, kind of like Full House to a certain extent. Although I cannot stand Full House. I got a question for my uh, older co-host right here. So on 1995's Outstanding Comedy Series uh, for the Emmys, the winner was Frasier, but the other nominees were Friends, The Larry Sanders Show, Seinfeld, and Mad About You. All I know about Mad About You is the Simpsons joke, Mad About You, Mad About Shoe. Uh-huh. That, I know nothing about Mad About You or the Larry Sanders show. Uh, I know I've never watched either one, but uh, yeah, that's the thing because it's that more highbrow stuff that gets nominated a lot more. Non-family. Well, Mad About You was, I mean, kind of family. It, it's uh, That was a show that Helen Hunt got really big on. If I remember correctly, um, mm. and it was just about her and her husband being a married couple in New York, and that was the problem. All these shows, they're all in New York: Seinfeld, Friends, Mad About You, Frasier. It's all New York. It's location-based comedy in a in a very in a, in a weird way. As it, very situational comedies were being primed for the Emmys, and Married with Children is not a situational comedy, even though it is. It is technically a sitcom. It doesn't rely on the situational aspects of it. They create the situations rather than let the situations create the show. If that makes sense. Mary with Children is in a big city. Uh, Frasier was in a big city too, Seattle. And like what we were just talking about, Roseanne, that's a rural type of uh, community. Oh, yeah. Where was it? More... They were in like, what, Ohio or something? Uh no, I think it was Illinois or Indiana. Oh, yeah, it is Illinois. Wait, what was the town that, that Roseanne was in? Uh, uh, I just remember thinking, yep, that makes sense when I saw where they were living and everything. When they said their name of their their town, I'm like, yep, that makes sense that they would be living in a place like that. You know, one a more recent show that I really like, and I find a little bit of Married with Children in it, is The Middle, if you remember that, with uh, uh, Neil Flynn as the father remember that it's still going on yeah well it's not going on but i still see it in reruns from time to time but that's a real dysfunctional family in many ways and they still love each other and they still go through this they go through the same trials it's a little bit more grounded i think that's a. I thought that was an overlooked show i don't know if it was ever nominated for any of me so oh that year uh john goodman was nominated for outstanding lead actor in a comedy series as dan connor on roseanne episode the blaming of the shrew 
I, d- I do want to say I think a lot of people when they look back they they think of Roseanne as the first every man sitcom and and really that can't even really be said about married with children because I, I think that there were definitely shows before it that had kind of an every man feel um especially uh-huh. when you start going into uh black tv shows like Sanford and Sons but I do think married with children was like the biggest of them in t- in really paved the road for Roseanne to come yes and but, I would agree but prime priming people to feel real emotions because I'm sorry I'm laughing and generally getting joy and laughter watching Al and Bud make uh M&M shell soup because they're so poor and they have nothing or Al's got like pennies in his wallet but when Dan and Roseanne are at the kitchen table and Dan says, "Yeah, I got outbid. I don't I don't have the contract." And she's like, "Well, let's see." And she like go through the bills and they're like, "Rent bill. We'll uh we'll send the dated shit. We'll misdate the check and we'll have to send it back." And they're uh you like you can hear them laughing and giggling out of their situation, but at the same time there is this big weight of we are so close to the end and we to to like have to having our house taken away and be on the streets and like we just can't think about that do you feel that emotion there and you really do feel for them yeah huh they're still dealing with that same exact thing in the connors now i know the world has not changed it's gotten worse (laughs) oh boy there's just no end in sight i debate you i debate you on that in it's gotten worse in some ways, but not in other ways. But the thing is, you know, I'm also thinking of a similar scene in Married with Children in which Al and Peg were supposed to, they were supposed to come up with some money they didn't have. And they said, where are we going to get this money from? And they start laughing with our retirement, the children's fund for college, you know, and they keep listening to all these things. They're just laughing about their misery, you know, finding a common bond in there. But that was geared more for laughs as opposed to that scene you were describing in Roseanne. I could think of one in the middle that did the same thing. I don't want to describe it because I don't remember it fully. But, yeah, there's a difference between feeling their angst and and comedy. Comedy is really laughing at someone else's misery in in many ways. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. All right. So how many car bras are you going to buy in regards to get the Dodge out of hell? Tyler. Well, this is a tricky one. Um... I when I first watched it and before we started recording I think I would have chosen two and a half to three more likely three car bras because the episode was funny but it seemed really short it 
didn't it seemed like it was lacking something and our conversation really helped tie those ends together. Uh, Jerry, you mentioned how there was a uh, not a connect enough connection with De- Steve and the family, and what the Bundys were going through really seemed disconnected from what was happening to the rest of the characters. But after really ruminating about it and thinking about where they wanted to go and exactly what kind of episodes were happening before and after this. I kind of bumped it back up. I think I'm going to go back in. I'm going to buy myself a fourth car bra because it does give me a lot of what I love. It does remind me about greatest hits in a very subtle way. And the way they just trucked out Steve, I legit forgot while I was watching it. I knew he was coming in, but I forgot the appearance. And I kind of had a stunned very, very stunned, uh, subtle kind of stunning feeling for when it popped out. So, yeah, I'm giving it four car bras. I enjoyed it. I am going to give it four and a half. I have always been a fan of this show, mostly because Steve returns. I thought the jokes were great. I thought the situation, although silly, was, you know, fun. They had the family in, even Buck. To a heavy degree. Well, not a heavy degree, but he was in there. When Steve returns, that just seals the deal, especially when he interacts with Marcy so much. Because they were the team really together. It really wasn't. Yeah, Steve and Al were a team when Steve was on the show. But, you know, that the basic dynamic was him and Marcy. So I really like that. The only thing keep me from giving it a full, complete five stars is I just... I wanted more. Mm-hmm. This probably should have been an hour show or a two part instead of that. Yeah. Or a two. Yeah. One or the other. That would have worked well. Steve shows me. up at the end of part one and going, Oh, and then you got to wait to part mm-hmm. two. And then we have a whole episode to have fun with him. Yeah. Maybe that might've been a good choice. Jerry, how many car bras are you going to buy for this one? Uh, okay. So, I really like the the Steve and Marcy. Like that story works so well. It's done so perfectly. Like I have nothing negative to say besides like my own greedy greediness of I want more. So like that's perfect. As for the Bundy side of the episode, I think it starts off really really strong, really funny. They get a lot of triple jokes in, but at a certain point, the, it it kind of loses it. I don't think. Bud and Kelly are basically once they start looking for the car, I think the story kind of falls apart and kind of not. Well, it's not the story falls apart. The jokes just aren't that good. I don't think they're that funny. They pick up a little bit here and there, but for the most part, that's kind of weak. But in saying that is definitely not the the weakest. And because it's such a small part of the episode that I, I think a solid four is where I'm at. I think four car brawls, enough to to get multiple, multiple different places where there are massive blobs on Peggy's mom over in Waking County covered. So if they could have tightened that up and done a little bit better with the Bundy store, I would have given it a perfect five. But they, they just couldn't beat it. But Steve coming back was absolutely fantastic. Those jokes between him and Marcy were just so good. I I would just love to have seen more Steve and Marcy. Uh, it, just, it just 
it's just too good. And it probably would only work in small doses like this. But much like how we talked about in this episode, there's multiple times in this episode where, as Tyler said, you could pick your own storyline. Where we were like, I wonder what would have happened if they would have actually went to Wanker County. I wonder what would have happened if Marcy would have actually caught Steve. Like, And I think episodes like this are great because you, you it kind of gives you a little bit of extra thought of what the series could do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you you brought you know what, uh, Jerry? That's a perfect statement. The choose your own adventure quality, and we both, all three of us, are such huge fans of the show. We're willing to give it like a lot of leeway. In other ways, we'd probably be more critical. If a student, uh, Steve, Steve, our co-host, Steve, not not Steve in the show, Steve, Steve, if a yeah. uh, Stephen, if a uh, st- if a student brought you a paper. Um, you told them to write a television episode, a screenplay, and they wrote this exact thing down, and it wasn't Married with Children. It was just a setup like this. I can sure all three of us can come up with like, okay, well, then I kind of forgot halfway through this thing. We kind of forgot he's looking for his car. And you know what? Why don't you make the car the whole thing? Why do we have this whole thing about this Waker County at the beginning? If the show is going to, if this whole episode is going to be about the car and them looking for it, start it with the car. And then you have this guy popping in out of nowhere. He should be at the beginning as well. Work this stuff in. Like, these are bad. These are screenwriting. These are script flaws. Point blank. Yeah. Simple. <laughs> well, there's no such thing as a perfect writer. No, but on a show like this, their writing is usually way more tighter than this. So, uh, Yeah, <laughs> I would agree with you on that. And, and I will say one more thing is that you know, for the hundredth episode of Marywood Children, what do we get? Top of the heap. <laughs> I think turning around a hundred episodes later, I think the writers and producers realize, okay, we need to make this about the Bundys and bring back Steve. And I thought they did a bang up job in celebrating their two hundredth episode a hell of a lot better than their hundredth episode. Oh, Stephen, that's true, but I'm not going to lie. I, I kind of love Top of the Heap, and some days when I want to be really just like a dirty person, not going to shower, I'm not going to shave, I'm just going to pick a dish out of the sink and just like brush it off and use that, and I'm going to put it on Top of the Heap. Like, it... it. <laughs> And you wanted to unfriend Jerry for not liking The Simpsons? No. Hey, I'm not wearing that as a mark of honor. I'm just, I told you, it's my it's a dirty time. But you're right, you're right. That that's definitely not a <laughs> the top of the heap is just an obviously disgusting failure of a series, but part of me kinda loves it. The way you I love it. Well what I'm talking about is that that was their hundredth episode, was the premiere of Top of the Heat. So this was a pretty good 200th episode. Yeah. Well, Jerry, we want to thank you for joining us on this one. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Jerry. This was awesome having you here. Oh, glad to be back. It's always nice to come back and talk married with children. It's such a such a great show, and I never want to be too far away from it. Plus, it's nice to see the show still going and, and people still being such big fans of the show and steve of course 
Of course, yes, because I'm a Steve file too. I've always been a Steve man more than Jefferson. Although Jefferson's grown on me a little bit. He's strong. You have to admit that. Like he's a strong caliber for the show. <laughs> he just got soap in his eyes. Oh, and that was so great. Like, I love him no matter what. Yeah. Hope you tune in next week. Yeah, you're going to see 25 Years and What Do You Get? Sam. Uh, it was directed by Sam Oriander, written by Donald Beck, and it's going to be hosted by Luigi, Matt, and Annabelle. And that's when both Al and Peg have good intentions for their 25th wedding anniversary, but things go wrong everywhere. So until then, remember... Whoa.